uh, the increase in debt and the importing of monetary inflation or money inflation that comes as a result of increased the debt and money supply. So it's a complex uh, area of inflation, but theoretically, yes, US dollar should um, devalue on the basis of uh, economics, but in reality, as it's a reserve currency and the alternatives are doing much the same, its value relative to the other currencies may, may stay high. But uh, the one thing it is de- being devalued against, and it has been for quite a while now, is gold. Well, that's right. And uh, an interesting gold and, uh, and, and, and the supposed digital gold, if you will, overnight, uh, Paul Tudor Jones, a very large hedge fund manager, was talking about Bitcoin mm. uh, and uh, the desire to buy into that um, as an alternative to gold. So, you know, they, they are two uh, assets, if you will, gold being the more traditional one and potentially the digital gold of, uh, of Bitcoin may, in fact, uh, be uh, where we see some investment. Toby, always good to hear your thoughts. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend. That's Toby Lawson, who's Head of Global Markets at Societe Generale Australia. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's have a final look at the markets in Asia for this week. US stock index futures, first of all, are rallying. They're up about three quarters of a percent. So that's helping uh, Asian markets. In Australia, the SX200 is up 1.2%. Uh, the Nikkei 225 in Japan is up about 1.6%. Uh, the Hang Seng looks set to add about 120 points at the open in an hour's time. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil uh, is trading right now at $29.57 a barrel. Gold uh, is off slightly in Asian trading at $1,714 an ounce. And the US dollar, more or less steady, trading at 106.4 against the Japanese yen. That's it from me this week. Do have a great weekend. Do please join back chats with Hugh Chiverton and Danny Gittings after the 8.30 news. The weather forecast uh, for today, hot with sunny periods and isolated showers. The maximum temperature will be around 32 degrees in the urban areas, a couple of degrees higher in the new territories. And the outlook is for sunny periods on Saturday. And it's going to become unsettled gradually in the following couple of days. 29 degrees right now, 82% relative humidity. It's 8.32. Here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news. The U.S. Justice Department is dropping its case against President Trump's first national security adviser, Michael Flynn, who pleaded guilty to lying to FBI agents about his contacts with a Russian diplomat. He'd been charged as part of an investigation by the special counsel, Robert Mueller, into Russian interference in the last presidential election. Mr. Flynn's lawyers had argued there was new evidence that showed the FBI had acted improperly. Mr. Trump praised his former adviser. He was an innocent man. He is a uh, great gentleman. He was targeted by the Obama administration, and he was targeted in order to try and take down a president. And I hope a lot of people are going to pay a big price because they're dishonest, crooked people. They're scum, and I say it a lot. They're scum. They're human scum. This should never have happened in this country. Republican lawmakers in the U.S. are trying to rename the street in front of the Chinese embassy in Washington after the whistleblower who first warned about the coronavirus. The proposal tabled in Congress would see the street renamed to Li Wenliang Plaza. Dr. Li raised the alarm in December but was reprimanded by police. He died from the illness in February. North Korean state media say leader Kim Jong-un has sent a verbal message to President Xi Jinping after weeks of speculation about Mr Kim's health. The news agency said the message was over the fact that China is registering success in preventing coronavirus infections. Rumours about Mr Kim's health has been swirling since his absence in April uh, from the birthday of his grandfather, the North's founder. 
The woman, who's accused the former US Vice President Joe Biden of sexually assaulting her 27 years ago, has called on him to withdraw from the race to be president. Tara Reid, a former Senate aide to Mr Biden, was asked in an interview with the journalist Megan Kelly what she would want to say to Mr Biden. You and I were there, Joe Biden. Please step forward and be held accountable. You should not be running on character for the President of the United States. You want him to withdraw? I wish he would, but he won't, but I wish he would. That's how I feel emotionally. Do you want an apology? I think it's a little late. Ms. Reid filed a criminal complaint against the Democratic Party candidate last month, although the statute of limitations has run out. Mr. Biden has strongly denied the allegations. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chewitt and your co-host today, Danny Gittings. Danny, good morning to you. Good morning. And we're talking today about LegCo's House Committee's Civic Party lawmaker, Dennis Kwok, says a fresh set of external legal advice over the LegCo House Committee saga has confirmed that he's been handling meetings in accordance with the rules, contradicting an earlier outside opinion, but backing the council's own legal team. And there are two meetings planned for today and a strong prospect of confrontation. The pro-establishment camp has been criticising Kwok for allowing filibustering, which prevented the committee from electing a new chair, with a liaison office accusing him of serious misconduct. So, what's the way out? Is it all about the anthem law? Is it a legitimate use of the rules or a breach of the oath of office? Has the pro-establishment camp been outflanked? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk, or give us a call on 233-88266. That's 233-88266. Uh, just before we get to the discussion on the uh, House Committee, a few uh, emails on uh, other topics. And uh, yesterday's discussion, uh, as well as on the mind of Nikki, uh, who says uh, in an email, the panel are discussing all the hygienic stroke antiviral measures that should be put in place for the reopening of schools. According to the government, there have been no new local cases of COVID for 17 days. From this, one could assume there is no risk of catching it in schools. Surely all the social distancing, etc. is unnecessary if there are no cases in Hong Kong. This concern about school opening is absolutely necessary in European countries where there's still many cases of the virus. For Hong Kong, it seems unnecessary over-concern. Uh, Leslie says, uh, I have to, dear Backchat, I've just heard from a good authority that Hong Kong is now letting in wealthy and connected mainland visitors who are not subject to any quarantine or tests. This is now highly alarming and I would like an explanation. Are we now one country, one system? And Mary says, while there have been four recorded deaths from COVID in the first four months of the year, every few days uh, a work uh, dies or is seriously injured on construction and other sites. On the 17th, on the 7th of May, uh, uh, Chunjong uh, Container Terminals Limited and uh, Affluence Warehouse and Transportation Limited fined $54,000 and $44,000 at uh, the Magistrate's Court for violation of the Factories and Industrial Undertakings Ordinance. Uh, the case involved a fatal accident that occurred on the 4th of October at a container yard in Yunlong. A worker was struck to death by a reversing reach stacker while working in the container yard. It's clear that with the low value placed on workers' 
lives here, $100,000 in this case, and the failure to prosecute and jail persons responsible safety on work sites will be of low priority. Surely a time for review of our priorities. That comes from Mary. Backchatter.thk.hk is our email address. We're joined for the uh, first part of the show by uh, Miriam Lau. Miriam Lau, former House Committee Chair in the Legislative Council, and Emily Lau. Emily Lau, former Democratic Party lawmaker. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, um, Benny. Good morning, you. Yeah. Uh, Miriam, let's go to you first. I mean, this is all about the election of a House Committee uh, Chair, and you were House Committee Chair. I mean, how on earth has this been allowed to drag on for so long? <laughs> you asked me. Well, uh, all I can say is that it is entirely unsatisfactory and totally unacceptable that we are six, uh, six months, six, seven months down the line since the first uh, meeting of the session. And uh, I think there are some 16, 17 meetings, and still there is no House Committee chairman being elected. This is entirely unacceptable. It's even more unacceptable in that all things relating to the work of the House Committee has come to a stall because of this election. But how so, did uh, the pro-establishment camp allow this to drag on for so long? I mean, surely the, um, the uh, outgoing, or maybe you say she is still the chair of the House Committee, Starry Lee, I mean, she must bear some responsibility. She, she's convening meetings to, today. Why, what, if, if this is so urgent, why didn't she, she do this actually, six months ago? She has actually convened a meeting for the last 16, 17 sessions. It's just convene and then hand over to, to Dennis Park to, to carry out the election. Okay, so she is under the rules of procedure, uh, Rule 75-2. She is the, she is still in office as the House Committee Chairman. And, uh, I think that she, she should carry out, uh, her, her work as the House Committee Chairman. Uh, this is confirmed by the joint advice given a couple of days ago, but a joint legal advice. I have actually expressed similar views, uh, some six, seven months ago. Uh, but of course, uh, my views were fell by the wayside, and nobody paid attention. But I'm sorry to be blunt. I mean, you expressed the view; she didn't pay any attention. The liaison office and the Hong Kong Macau Affairs office come out and express the views, and suddenly, six months later, she pays attention. I, I'm thank, thank you very much for 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 heeding my <laughs> you know remembering the views I expressed a couple of months ago. Uh, you asked me why. Uh, I think you better ask the persons involved why they didn't listen. You know, I, I as an, uh, you know, I, I'm outside Legible now. I, I do not control matters inside. So uh, if I were uh, inside Legible, of course, I would uh, make my voice uh, even more, more, more loud and cogent <laughs> so that people would listen. But all I can say is that when media interviews me, I express my views. I look at the rules of procedure and, and I gave my candid views on what uh, she should do and could do. Okay. Uh, and what are those views? What's your take? Yeah, what are your views? Explain what you think the oh, proper my, procedure my should be. My views are that under Article, um, uh, under Rule 75 uh, of uh, Section 2 of the House com of the Rules of Procedure, the Chairman and Deputy Chairman elected in any session shall continue the office, is in office, until the Chairman and Deputy Chairman of the next session is elected. The word hold office, continue in office, um, means that the House Committee Chairman uh, not only holds the office, she has the relevant powers to call the meetings, to, to determine the agenda uh, of the House Committee and deal with the work of the House Committee. Of course, I also uh, agree somewhat with the, the advice by the Joint Council, uh, joint, joint advice given a couple of days ago, in that uh, even though the incumbent House Committee has uh, chairman has such power, uh, that power should not be abused in the sense that she should avoid conflict of interest so that if she runs for the next uh, chairman, she should actually not 
uh, deal with the election of the chairman and should pass it over to the deputy chairman to, to chair the meeting in that regard. I think she has diligently done that over the past six, seven months. She did not chair the, the, the uh, matter relating, the item relating to election of the House Committee and uh, House Committee chairman and, and uh, uh, the deputy chairman that follows. So uh, she, she is, it's very important that she does not abuse her power and avoid the conflict of interest. But it is not acceptable, in my view, that she does nothing else except to call for the meeting and then hand could, over. Could, to couldn't couldn't she just not? Office. Couldn't she just not stand for chairman uh, uh, for the new chairman of the House Committee uh, and then resume the uh, chairmanship of the House Committee? Uh, well, I because she wouldn't she have a conflict of interest. Her, 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 uh, nomination and, and there is no reason why the provisions the provisions doesn't doesn't prevent her from being nominated the provisions actually facilitate her um to be nominated except that she should not chair the uh sec- the session the item relating to mm. election of the chairman you know it, it she, she actually avoids the conflict of interest and i think that's that's sufficient why should she you know refrain from nomination why should we deprive her of the so right she should step aside for, for that item Yes, yes, Not she okay. has been done. She has been doing that mm. over the past, I think, six, seven months. Emily Lau, Emily Lau, what, what, what do you make of this mess? Emily Lau, are you with us? Okay. Uh, but we'll go. Can, can you can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Uh, yes. Uh, can you? Um, I, I was saying, what, what, what do you make of, of this mess and how on earth Legco got into this uh, situation? Well, it's it's very unfortunate. Uh, but I think, as you have heard in in the past weeks and days, that what the uh, pan Democrats, uh, the pro democracy camp legislators, have been doing, it's all in line with the rules of Legco. And also, of course, uh, the uh, Legco Secretariat, including the Secretary General and the legal advisor, they all think that what they have been doing is okay. I mean, otherwise, they would have intervened. I mean, uh, well, maybe members can brush them aside, but they haven't done that. The, the, the Secretariat has not. So now, after, as you rightly said, that the uh, liaison office and the Hong Kong Macau Affairs Office uh, spoke, then they went out and got another opinion because they wanted to prove that the opinion of the electrical secretariat was wrong. And now, of course, uh, the pan-democrats have got another legal opinion, and and this can go on. But the, the fact of the matter is that... Uh, what they have been doing is in, court, in accordance with the rules. And what Miriam just said, I don't think is entirely right in a sense that, okay, yes, the chair and vi- uh, vice chair of the former session will continue until there is a new chair and vice chair elected, yes. But so you have the election and the chair put up her hand and said, yes, I want to run, and she becomes a candidate. Once she becomes a candidate, then there is a question of what she is able to do anymore. So she stepped down. She could not chair the meeting. But then Miriam and others are saying, no, okay, she could not chair the meeting, but she could call another meeting to deal with other matters which have been, you know, (laughs) stuck there. And now I think the opinion that the pan-democrats have got, which is in line with the Lechko Secretariat's original opinion, is that she cannot do it. If she does it, and she's trying to do it, 
uh, this afternoon, and they have fixed a meeting from 2.30 to 7.30. Even the finance committee meeting has been cancelled to make way for it. And I hope there will be no violence, and I hope they don't need to call the police, and nobody will be injured or will be killed. But, but, but the thing is, she cannot uh, chair a meeting to deal with the other matters so long as she is a candidate. I think this point is something that they should reply All to. All right, Miriam Lam? Yes, I think uh, we should revisit uh, Rule 75, Section 2. <clears throat> if you look at that particular section, it is very plain that the letter and spirit of that section is to ensure that there is no vacancy of the House Committee Chairman. Uh, that is the reason why uh, she can continue in office until the next chairman is elected. The purpose of that section is to ensure that House Committee matters are being dealt with by the incumbent uh, House Committee chairman. Otherwise, you know, there is a legal lacuna and, and nothing is done. And that is not acceptable. So it also provides that in the temporary absence of a chairman, the committee can elect a chairman to act during such absence. Okay, this is, this is actually to ensure that work continues while election takes place. And this is apparently uh, what, what is not happening. And uh, um, Emily says that uh, the, the present uh, presiding officer or the present vice chairman hosting the, or, or chairing the meeting is acting in accordance of the House, uh, house rules or the rules of procedure. The rules of procedure does not provide that election of a chairman can take place for 16 sessions without the chairman being elected. This dragging on is, is not comprehended by the rules of procedure or any rules. Actually, Miriam, I d now you and I were in LegCo for so many years. I can remember that, you know, because we uh, re-elect the chair of the house at the beginning of each session in October. I remember in some of the meetings in those days, the election of the chair and deputy chair was the last item on the agenda. Yes. And then, you know, so at the beginning of that meeting, the House Committee will deal with all the remaining items first, whether or whichever is they want to resume the debate or whatever. And then after all they were dealt with, then you come to the last item. Okay, election of the chair. And then, you know, Miriam, you, you can say, oh, I want to stand again. So if that's the case, then this problem would not have arisen. But now... I think maybe the rules have changed. You say, oh, the House Committee convened a meeting. First item, you elect the chair. And so this has yeah. happened. So I don't know what has changed in the, in the, in the interregnum. The rules have and, and not changed, Emily. The rules have not changed. But I, I really don't understand why suddenly now people say that it should be the first item on the agenda. And that's the only item that should be dealt with uh, for 16, 17 sessions, for six, seven months until anything else could be dealt with. There's nothing in that in the rules of procedure. Okay, honestly, the situation that we are now in has never happened before. And I think we should from the best of our, our use our best of our intellect to, to try and deal with this very difficult situation. Uh, Emily Lauf is leaving us to to impact to have continue let the impact continue and and not do anything. Emily Lau, leaving aside the rules of procedure for a moment, looking at it from a political perspective, has the Democratic camp misplayed its, its hand? Is, is it really acceptable to hold 16... I mean, basically, it is just a, another form of filibuster, let's be honest about it. So you don't go 16 meetings without electing a chairman. Well, actually, I've, uh, as you know, I have not been involved in any of the discussions, and, you know, but 
I repeat, what they're doing, you call it filibustering or whatever, oh, it's according with the rules. The rules allow them to do it. And this counts the secretariat's a whole team, the secretary general and the legal advisor were sitting there throughout okay. the 1617 meeting. So and they never say, hey, wait a minute. You are breaking the rules. You can't That's do it. That's not what I asked. I didn't, I didn't say whether it's according to the rules. I said, is it a politically wise strategy? Well, I mean... Uh, you as a, someone who's in LegCo for 25 years, who worked with uh, other legis legislators across the divide in LegCo, I'm sure you have an opinion on that. Well, of course. As Dennis Chang, uh, Dennis Kwok and others have said on many occasions, it's a political problem. It needs a political solution. They need to sit down and talk about it and discuss... And, of course, each side has to compromise. And then you try to reach a consensus. And what is it that the pan-democrats want? Of course, they want some concessions. And But this side say, no, no concession. Nothing that you want, we will give you. So no way. Let's go on. You, Let's filibuster. You, and, uh, and to hell with Hong Kong. You keep talking about the pan-democrats in the, in the third party, almost as if they're, I mean, you're, you're not actually endorsing their strategy yourself. I, I know you're no. saying you're outside LegCo, but you're still a member of the Democratic Party. Of and, course. Uh, do as I do said, you support what Dennis Kwok has been doing? Well, if you I were think, there, would you be doing the same thing? Well, first of all, I have not been involved in the discussion, but I, I'm not criticising them because they are using a method particularly a method which even the legal advisor of LegCo has no problem with, to try to get the other side to come to the negotiating table, to try to get something agreed, and then we can carry on, because they are in a minority. I have said on this program many times, the pan-democrats are in a minority. Every time if something proceeds to a vote, they will lose. This has been the tragic fact for so many decades. So what they, the ammunition that they have is to delay that voting process and in the meantime to get the administration, to get the pro-Beijing camp, to be willing to negotiate and to make a compromise. But they, they refuse. But in the old days, when Miriam and I was there this afternoon, I will interview Jasper Zhang, we were willing and able to sit down and to negotiate and to come up with a compromise. And now Beijing said, no way. Oh, you go and kill them all uh, in, in this September election. Get rid of all of them. Uh, otherwise, we will impose martial law or something like that. I mean, it's crazy. What kind of attitude is this? And I can tell you, some of the business people I've spoken with, they are very, very worried. Not that they care that much about democracy or what, but they want to do business. And they think Hong Kong is going to burn. All of us are will burn together. Miriam now? Yes, I, I think whatever political motivation may be behind all that the pandemic has been doing over the past six, seven months, it should not be at the expense of the Hong Kong people. Because all the legislation that are actually very essential to carry out the policies by the government that are very beneficial to the community have been held up. You know, whatever political things they have in mind should not be at the expense of the public. I really plead them not to do that, you know, continue to do that. Let the House Committee move on with the legislation, with the motions, with the different matters that the House Committee needs to deal with. Please, please let them move on. Emily Lau, what do you make of um, Starry Lee's handling of uh, these events? Well, I think it's really quite pathetic. 
she doesn't seem to know the rules. She doesn't seem to know what she's doing. And as you said, there have been 16, 17 meetings. And before the liaison office and the Hong Kong Macau Affairs office spoke, they dared not do anything. They didn't do anything. And now, once they spoke, and then, of course, the president of Lechco scurried to get a legal opinion. I mean, this is so pathetic. They are, they are in a majority. So they should think out of a way, a political way, to get out of this mess. Uh, and, uh, you know, this Professor Yun Kwok Yong, this guy who is on the radio and TV all the time talking about the virus, a few years ago, he resigned over some row. He was on the Hong Kong University Council and he stepped down. And what did he say? He said, I think Hong Kong has lost its ability to solve problems. <laughs> uh, well, I think the, these people who hold so many seats in LegCo, they have no ability to solve problems. They're just creating so many problems. And, and, and the thing to do is these guys are in a minority, but they are there and you have to deal with them. You cannot just kill them. You have to sit down and talk to them. In the introduction to this program, I did, I did ask whether you know, there was a connection between this and the anthem law. Uh, Tom on Facebook says, The pandems are in a free speech and rule of law outrage at thought of not being able to insult the national anthem. On the other hand, if anyone mocks their anthem song, Glory to Hong Kong, the Yellow Camp gives them an extrajudicial beating in the street. If they were the government, would things be any different? I do feel the government should backpedal on things such as sanctioning Dennis Kwok or arresting pro-democracy leaders right now and stop throwing political softballs to the Apple Daily to hit out of the park. They should focus instead on explaining to the public the needed legislation. The pandems are blocking. That comes uh, from from Tom. Uh, Miriam Lau, do you, do you agree with that? Um, well, I think um, I, I wish to pick up on what Emily said just mm. now. You know, uh, you know, just now in Lechco doesn't seem to 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 ha- know how to how to handle it. Um, if there could be a political solution to the matter, that should be pursued. Okay, if people can, if legislators can sit down and talk it out, that is what we in the past have been doing. If there can be a political solution, then actually pursue and see how it can will work out. Alternatively, I think Sari will have to decide. You know what she wants to do, bearing in mind that she's now several legal opinions before. It is really up to her to, it is as the incumbent House Committee Chairman, to decide what she should do and she exercise her powers accordingly. If anybody, any member or, or anybody else, uh, doesn't agree with that, then uh, the matter needs to be taken to court to, to, to decide. You know whether whether she has uh, the power to do so, whether uh, because. The courts are uh, not interfering only in regard to exercise of the powers, but not in regard to whether the power is there already. In my view, the power is there, but of course, you know, I might be wrong, some of the views might be wrong, but, you know, leave... Starry have to decide what she wants to do. It's really extraordinary. You're saying again, uh, again and again, uh, Starry Lee has to decide what, what she has to, to do, with, almost as if she can't decide after six months. <laughs> what well, now would be armed with the three legal opinions, she has to decide. She is, after all, the incumbent House Committee chairman. Who else can decide for her? Emily Lau, you're laughing when I said that. <laughs> I, I think this, I mean, she is really very pathetic. And she then, was supposed to be the rising star in the probation camp, wasn't she? I think she has just been shot down. <laughs> but, but Miriam, you know, today they will at two thirty or even earlier, they will discuss, of course, the the opinion of the two council who are very pro-establishment. But they also ha- and and then also that opinion has not been completely released. There are certain bits which that has been held back. 
And then they will also discuss the other opinion uh, that the pan-democrats have got, and they will look at the opinion of the legal counsel. Hmm? Uh, legal opinion, Philip Dyke's opinion, yeah. yes. in the public arena already. Yes, so they well, can... No, dis- I think everything should be in the public yeah. arena. I'm a very open, transparent person. I think everybody, everything should be out in the yeah. public and, and let's have a discussion on it. So they so will discuss opinion. all I that... Of, I, 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 I read bits of the, the joint advice earlier on, and uh, but I've not uh, had access to the uh, new opinion. But uh, nonetheless, I, I have stand on my interpretation of Rule 75, uh, subsection 2. But Miriam, I think the the latest opinion by, of, obtained by the pandemic said it would be abuse of power if Starry no, Lee's... it would be abuse of power. I if, heard that, but although I haven't read the opinion. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Mir- Miriam, can you let me finish first? Yeah, I did okay. not interrupt you. Okay, I'm okay. just saying, because you kept saying, she's got the power to do this and that. Okay, that power is in the opinion obtained by uh, Andrew Leung. But now the pandemics have got another opinion, also by senior counsel, who said that if she tried to convene a meeting to deal with other matters before the House committee, it would be an abuse of power. Okay, Miriam, now? Uh, I don't think that's an abuse of power, and I don't think the... I will have to read the opinion first, but uh, I think that it will be an abuse of power if Starry hosted the House committee and then carry out the election herself, that would be a conflict of interest, that would be an abuse of power. But if she keeps away from that uh, uh, function, then like the joint advice I read earlier on, um, she has the... She has, there's no conflict of interest, and she can deal with all matters. Uh, other matters relating to the House Committee. Okay. I, I, I agree with that, that opinion. Okay, well, we're out of time now. Miriam Lau, thank you very much indeed, uh, former House Committee uh, Chairwoman uh, in LegCo, our former legislator, and Emily Lau, our former Democratic Party lawmaker. Thank you very much indeed. Fred Lee will be joining us uh, after the news at uh, nine. Uh, please uh, join in. Uh, you can give us a call, 233-88266, or email backchat at rthk.hk. Uh, Emily Lau, you're welcome to stay if you would like to, if you have... If you have time, uh, the weather hot with sunny periods and isolated showers. Temperatures up to 32 degrees, uh, and the outlook sunny periods on Saturday. 29 Celsius at the moment with a relative humidity now of 82 percent. We can confirm the end of lockdown across the country. The less good news is that some departments are performing worse than expected. The map is very clear. The country is divided in two. Le pays est divisé en deux. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Backchat on a Friday morning, last one of the week, and we're talking uh, politics. We're talking about the uh, Legislative Council. Uh, interesting developments today, as there will be two um, House committee meetings. I think you can call them House, both House committee meetings this morning um, and this afternoon, uh, primarily over the issue of uh, who should be the chairman of the House committee. Uh, Dennis Kwok, well, Starry Lee was the last uh, chairman and uh, wants to be chairman for this session. Uh, however, the, uh, her election is being uh, delayed uh, by uh, Dennis Kwok. Um, so we're talking about that. We were, that was the subject of the discussion in the first part of the programme with Emily Lau and uh, Miriam Lau, two uh, veterans. We're joined by another uh, former lawmaker and uh, now a political consultant, Fred Lee, uh, between now and uh, 9.30. If you've got any questions, comments or uh, observations, uh, uh, what's likely to happen, what uh, has happened over the uh, last period. Of course, we've had the liaison 
prison office making a pretty uh, dramatic uh, intervention as well, accusing Dennis Kwok of uh, uh, being uh, either uh, guilty of uh, misconduct in public office or close to misconduct of, in public office. Um, what do you make of that? Uh, Backchat at rthk.hk is the place for your thoughts. Uh, in the introduction, I said, is this a wise move? Um, Drake uh, says in an email, is it a wise move when the people are risking their lives, fighting on the streets for their freedoms and rights? It's only reasonable that councillors who represented the majority, yet were made the minority in the House by a skewed system, have to fight the enactment of draconian laws by all means. I have no idea why commentators would think the Democrats would lose support uh, in this way. That comes uh, from Drake. And uh, Mike, uh, in a comment that's um, sexist and ageist at the same time, says, you want me to listen to two 70-year-old ladies argue for an hour? No thanks. See you on Monday. Uh, that's from Mike. Back half, to half an HK. hour, wasn't it? I think HK. it was pretty good radio as well. Yeah, yeah. and it was nice, as you were saying, it was nice to hear a, It was very striking, wasn't it? Uh, debate, uh, Emily Lau and Miriam Lau, debate. yes. I mean, from opposite sides of the political spectrum, but actually having a very, um, for the most part, cordial um, conversation. Um, uh, it really sort of makes you think that uh, LegCo has changed since their days. <laughs> uh, not a view shared also by... Anorak, who says, I missed the introductions, but who on earth is the person screeching too much? I heard the rap of the first section and the thanks given to Emily Lau. Of course, I should have realised. Her best ever contribution to Backchat was to carp on about the fish pond Donald Jung had installed in Government House. Good good memory, yes. Yeah. So uh, we're joined now by Fred Lee, as I say, former lawmaker, political consultant. Mr Lee, good morning to you. Uh, Good morning. Uh... What, what, what do you expect to happen today, first of all? We've got these two meetings. Uh, do you think there's likely to be physical confrontation? How is this going to work? Um, I, I think in the morning, the one chaired by uh, Dennis Koch uh, will go on. The pro-establishment legislator will not, will not really um, boycotting or whatever, you know. And and I'm I'm sure the outcome is still uh, no chairman will be elected at this meeting. And the question is the afternoon meeting, you know, uh, by chair by or regional the chair chair lady of last uh, year. And uh, I think it's a silly silly phenomenon because I I was the vice chairman of the house committee for ten years in Lechco. I myself. And uh, the chairman is uh, Miriam and uh, Selina in the past. And uh, the first meeting of the House Committee always, you know, those who stand for the chairmanship, they cannot chair the meeting. I think that's a common procedure. Um, if Starry, that's why Starry stepped down from the chairmanship and leave uh, the uh, Dennis Cock to chair the meeting, and that's... Uh, so they, that Dennis Koch, you know, used, I think, every means as the Democrats to uh, filibustering the House committee is, is, is a way to uh, block the government. Uh, I, I think that's a strategy. And uh, everybody knows. But he's not offending the law, right? But according to the House rule, according to the standing orders, you know. But the question is, if Starry Lee stepped down from running the chairmanship this time, she can chair the meeting, the election meeting, and and whoever elected, 
she will pass the you know chairmanship to, to the, the one. Well, all the other candidates are, are Democrats, aren't they? So once she, of course, the Democrats would love her to step down from the election because then a Democrat would be elected to chair the House committee. No, no, no. It's really up to the those attending the meeting to vote. Okay, but say, why should she have to? Why should she give up the opportunity? For for sixteen meetings, sixteen already is meaningless. Well, isn't Dennis so, Kwok, Dennis think, Kwok to blame for that? The pro-establishment, you know, they should actually earlier, as actually brought out earlier by Paul Jai, you know, the the legislators, he already shared the same opinion with me. That's simple. Sterilely, don't run the chairmanship. So she can chair the meeting, okay? If any other people want to run, like Dennis Cobb, she cannot chair the meeting. He's the deputy chairman. He won the right fair. And all the Democrats, okay, 22 run for the chairmanship. Okay, then vote once and for all. He, and uh, I think that settled the issue. He's deputy chairman of the House Committee. As you were saying for 10 years or so, you were deputy chair of the House Committee, um, and you never did anything like this. I mean, do you really approve of what he's doing? Has he overplayed, politically, has he overplayed his hand? Uh, I think you, we all know, we all know what's happening in LegCo. Besides, you know, the House Committee, now is the Finance Committee as well. Also the PWSC, the Public Works Committee, or establishment committee, any committee, you know, the Democrats can delay, can filibustering, they will try their best because the coming election is September, pretty, pretty close now. So they want to, you know, represent those opposition from the community to tell them to vote and that we will stay firm and against the government. Uh, we will vote down the budget if we have a over half of the legislator elected by the Democrat uh, in the Democrat camp. I think all the messages are clear there. It's a politics, it's, it's, it's a, strategy, a strategy. But as a political strategy, the result has been to bring Be Beijing in with these statements from the liaison office and the Hong Kong Macau Affairs Office. Now, you can say that uh, they, the, the, those offices of the Chinese government shouldn't have made those statements and it's a breach of one country, two systems, whatever, but the fact is that that has been the result and that a very likely, or at least possibility, uh, Dennis Kwok will be disqualified from uh, standing for re-election. And again, you can say that that shouldn't happen, but those look like being likely consequences. So from a political perspective, ha have they acted wisely, bringing um, these kind I of consequences? Think, I think the Civic Party already have a plan B for Dennis Kwok. They're already looking for someone from the legal, you know, uh, constituency to stand in to replace Dennis Cobb because they were afraid, you know, DQ, you know, disqualified Dennis Cobb for running the September election. So um, I think those Democrats are really uh, have Plan B, but that's the strategy. What can I say? Speaking of Civic Party strategy. I, I, uh, has the Civic Party, is this correct, the Civic Party has said that uh, if they get a majority in uh, in LegCo, that they will paralyse the government, that they will not pass the budget, that they will stop basically the operation of government as insofar as LegCo is available to do that? Is that right? Yeah, they already, they already have a press conference. Yeah. And uh, I think the message is clear that if that, that they want the five demands, okay, if they have over majority, uh, 35 plus, you know, in the new let's go. And if the government did not, 
you know, uh, promised to uh, satisfy the five demands. They will vote down everything, everything, including the budget. Of course, budget is is fatal because if you vote down a budget, then the chief executive can dissolve the electoral. Yeah. And then for new election and coming back, if still veto the budget, then the CEO have to step down. So um, this is the basic law. And then, and then that's the end of one country, two systems. Basically, that's the end of Hong Kong as we know it. Do you think the central government would allow that to happen? No, I don't think so. That's why the two officers already, you know, um, <clears throat> had never happened before. So aggressively, you know, speak out and even named the Democrats, you know, and this is never done before. Uh, this is all. I think. What the gesture now from the mainland government, also focusing on the September election, 35 plus is a nightmare. You know, it's a nightmare for the Communist Party in China, in Beijing. For sure, they will have every means, they will do every means to make them not happen. 35 plus seats for the Democrats requires complete unity among the Democratic camp. And even then, it's going to be very difficult. Uh, right. Whereas, right. Uh, as you know yourself, I mean, that uh, it is very difficult for the Democratic camp to remain entirely united. That's the one major weakness in the Democrats' camp. Um, the Democrats cannot really, you know, coordinate like the pro-establishment camp because they have the liaison office in the back, you know, to tell them you, you should run here, you should not run here. Uh, if, you, if you want to run, I, I encourage you not to run, but I come and say something back to you. But in the Democrats' camp, we don't have such a powerful machine, you know, behind the, the scene, you know, to coordinate all. They only have is the so-called primary election before the nomination. That's the, I think that's the only measure they try to uh, uh, eliminate too many, too many, you know, pan-democrats candidate in one constituency. So what do you think realistically the chances are of the Democrats getting 35 seats? Um, I myself pessimistic. I'm not so optimistic, okay, uh, exactly because of the too many, too many pandemic people will right, like to run, including those uh, new, newly elected uh, district councillors. You know, lots of those people, young people, okay, they, they really participate, you know, involved in the whole campaign of the five demands. And uh, they're facing a lot of charges by the police, even some of those. And they like to go to LegCo instead of remaining at district council. District council is not their ultimate, uh, you know, uh, goal. So um, with the successful turnout rate in the uh, district council election over over 70 percent, they expect even more in LegCo election than than they have a chance to win a seat. And so too many. Too many pandemic candidates. I think that's the problem. And how about how do you think this confrontation in LegCo now and the, the, whole, the whole issue of the House Committee and Dennis Kwok's behaviour? How do you think that will affect the election? Is it is it helping the Democrats in the election or is it harming their chances? When we're talking about public opinion and also mobilising the Democratic camp. But so far, I read from all the opinion polls so far. Okay, and. Uh, 
majority of the people who support Democrats do not segregate themselves from the Democrat legislators at the moment. Uh, so I, I, I'm sure the Democrat uh, Party have also done their opinion poll internally. They didn't release the report, of course. Uh, but I think my guess is, you know, um, still the majority of the pro-democrats people, they they not separate themselves from what happening in electrical now. They not really support, but I think they they think this is a strategy, and they will endorse it. That's very interesting. You're saying you're sure, sure the Democratic Party is doing its own private opinion polls to um, basically to give them an indication of whether the Democratic camp should continue with this strategy, right? It's yeah, a- I think so. I think everybody, even pro-establishment camp, they also will launch any poll because they have the resources. I, I'm sure the different party, not too many, but ex- uh, uh, must be some to launch their own survey for references. Then the sort of relative inaction by the by the the pro-establishment camp. Do you think that was because they didn't want to uh, lose you know public support? They thought that they calculated that if they did uh, fight this, uh, they would you know they would lose votes. Now, now the pro-establishment. I, I think it's a, quite a paradox. You know, the more they rely on the mainland China, the central government, to do something. Know, for the election, actually, the more harm, I would say, bring more harm, you know, to the to the to the establishment. So, that so the strong words from the liaison office, the obviously stepped up kind of role from the liaison office, exactly, you think that was exactly. going to hurt them politically. The, the worst is the worst is full control of Hong Kong matters. You know, I think that really is too sensitive. I think Hong Kong people really don't really appreciate. You know, we 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 understand the Beijing. You know. The, the mainland China, the central government, they do have a role in Hong Kong business, but we don't expect them always saying, we have full control, we have full control. I think that's uh, annoying to many of the citizens, including me. So if we just looked at it from a political perspective, it works out quite well for the Democrats by um, holding things up in the uh, House committee. They push it to the point where uh, the central government comes out with these uh, very strong statements. And then, of course, uh, public opinion is, is, is turned even more strongly towards the Democrats by those statements from the central government. Is that right? Exactly. I think <laughs> uh, we won't of- say they planned it deliberately, but it, it works out to their political advantage. My, 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 you know, my, my involvement in the politics for the last 25 years, these kind of things happen again and again. The Communist China, the party, they didn't really learn. They're still not really you know, familiar with what's happening in Hong Kong. Uh, maybe they, they get the wrong report, they get the wrong assessment. I think this, this kind of tactics always you know, will, will come in uh, really the opposite consequences. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you look at the coalition and you've got, you know, let's put it politely, you've got sort of controversial... Don't, don't, don't get marked. Well, yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, and see why You think that's helping the people to vote for Does the... Does anyone think it's helping? <laughs> of course not. Of course not. 
Fred Lee, your political consultant, uh, just put yourself on the other side for the moment. If you if you were advising the pro-establishment camp and advising them about how to avoid an electoral disaster, what what would you suggest they should be doing now? How should they how should they be handling this um, confrontation in Legco if they want to uh, maximise their electoral prospects? First, the pro-establishment. You know, they should have somebody can really articulate the opinion. And Hong Kong people are really pragmatic. You should explain to the people, uh, even the, 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 of course, the government now, they lost credibility. So it's difficult to ask the government to say something that can convince to the public. But at least some pro-establishment, pro-establishment guy, they are not so uh, terrible. You know, they, they, they look a bit like Paul Jay, as I said. Paul Jay is a lawyer. He sometimes make a quite objective assessment and opinion. He can do more if if the pro establishment want to really, you know, get, uh, increase increase their influence uh, rather than you know let the two officers, you know, uh, release a strong you know, statement or let the, uh, some some of the lawyers background like Liang Mei Fan, Long, I don't think they will really uh, she will convince the public at all. Uh, okay, uh, some uh, thoughts in uh, emails. Rick says on the House Chairman, why are we here? While you can debate the House Chairman issue either way, but it seems its root cause stems from the government's desire to manipulate the votes in the House with oath of office disqualifications. Uh, if there was an issue with the swearing in, it should have been dealt with contemporaneously and not so long after the fact to pick off the opposition. Thus, government was able to change the balance of power. The squabbling on the latest issue is the fruit of the executive arms interference. That's uh, Rick's take. And uh, Jalal says three competing legal opinions, question mark. Why not just submit this question to a court for determination? Uh, is that what's going to happen in the end? Will it? Will there be some kind of uh, JR or, you know, is that... Is that legitimate? Is this an interior, uh, you know, uh, a matter for the Legislative Council itself to judge according to their own rules? Um, from from my experience, you know, the court, the judiciary, will not intervene into the internal business of legislation. They are quite reluctant to often. Aren't they? Yes, yes, they always repeat many times for the for for the dispute in chairmanship, how to elect in, in, in House Committee, who has the right, who has not the right. I, I think the court will, will, will not intervene to give any JL at all. And JL is too far from, you know, from what's happening now. You, know, you remember, LegCo will be dissolved the end of this term, four years term, in the middle of July. Mm. Not too far. Mm. Not too far. So how many meetings they can have? So, so I, I think this kind of uh, uh, limbo you know, the phenomenon will uh, drag on until the end of the session. Can they get the national anthem? This is what China cares about, isn't it? It's the national anthem bill. They don't care about the other one, maternity leave and so on. Um, can, they, can they get the national anthem bill f through before LegCo is dissolved? I think this is the one major reason they filibustering. You know, for sure, if they resume the LegCo sitting, a proper procedure... The national anthem, the, the the bill will be passed no matter what. So uh, they will, they want to, um, you know, represent the young people. I, I think most of the young people in Hong Kong, especially those radical ones, joining the five demands, they really hate this uh, national anthem bill. 
So I think this is one of the reasons that they want to drag on the House Committee. One House Committee is not functioning. Those bills cannot resume second reading or third reading in a blend state sitting. So they're just hanging there. But there's a lot of what we would call collateral damage at the same time. I mean, there are a lot of other... It uh, is. Yes. It is. It is. It is. But politics, what can I say? Well, but maybe if you're a pregnant woman in Hong Kong or all kinds of other livelihood issues which are, are being held up essentially be, uh, because they're trying to stop the National Anthem Bill. Yeah, that's, that's, that's on the one hand. More primitive, more primitive is all the public works expenditure now also delayed many of the public work expenditure. I thought that would go through Finance Committee and Public Works Yeah, Finance Committee. So, so y- y- you say, you know, they are not the majority. They only have the 22 legislators from Democrat camp. But they can really, you know, drag on the delay, the voting of a lot of uh, expenditure items in FC. And FC, only seven persons become a quorum. So you can't really... Uh, like, like, like in the electrical sitting, half of the members' quorum. So it's different. So you can't really count the attendance in the FC, but so they use different tactics. Would the same ha- even if the House Committee manages to elect a chairman, would, could the same then happen in the House Committee once it resumes proper meetings that, uh, that under, uh, pro-establish- presumably under Starry Lee, that the Democrats can filibuster in the House Committee meetings? That they, what, they, what they did in the last 60 meetings. I, I know, but that's because they managed to even stop having a, a chairman. I'm saying once, yeah, yeah, once used, Dennis yeah. Quark's replaced by Starry Lee, can they still, while it's been chaired by Starry Lee, can they still find tactics to filibuster like you say they're doing in the Finance Committee? My, 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 my guess is the afternoon meeting, the Democrats will use their body, you know, to stop the meeting, to, to, um, to let the meeting adjourned, like those in the past about the extradition bill, you know, the two chairmen. And, uh, and I, I think afternoon they, 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 they read, I, don't, I have no inside story, but my guess is they would try to confront and stop the meeting by force. Doesn't this come down to the president? What has the powers of the president? Isn't the president the last word in LegCo then? Yeah, uh, frankly speaking, LegCo president they, he himself is not a member of House Committee or Finance Committee. Okay, this is uh, deliberately, de- you know, de- detect, uh, uh, cut off from this uh, business. Suppose a neutral guy, and so the, what the president said don't have any influence in the House Committee. Just going back to the LegCo elections, you were saying that it'd be very difficult for the pan-Democrats to get 35 seats. But uh, say they get 32, 33, 34 seats, because they, 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 they're going to get more seats. I mean, we can pretty much agree on that. They're going to get yeah. more seats than president. The question, sure. If they, they don't get a majority, but they perhaps get quite close, even 30 seats, how, how powerful can they be with, say, 30 seats or 32 seats? They're Very still in my, they're, in a, they're in a minority, so how can they still be powerful? It's a strong minority because uh, they can uh, fill up a strength by calling quorum every time, you know? And uh, you see the pro-establishment, even though they have 36 or 37 or 38, but most of them, you know, they're not really attending the meeting. So if all the uh, 32, 33 pan-Democrats sitting right in the meetings, uh, 
then for pro-establishment have to sit the same number more. But that's difficult for the pro-establishment. In the finance committee, in and, and the election of the panel chairman, I think they will really fill in everybody into the important panel to fight for the chairmanship. And um, uh, there's that even the 32, 33 is really powerful. So the Democrats, obviously, they're best, they're best placed if they get 35 seats a majority. But what you're saying is, even if they didn't get 35 seats, they are still going to be mu- much more powerful in the next legislative council than this one. Yeah, look at those 22. We only have 22 at the moment. What, you know, uh, what happened to the last call? If you have 32, 33, wow, that's, that's already incre- increased your uh, bargaining chips. But but you know the government's you know it's widely speculated that there'll be a lot of uh, disqualifications, people not being allowed to stand, uh, and so on. Uh, would that also? But the, could that deal a fatal blow to the to the Democrats? I think the Democrats already you know take that into account. Some of them cannot run. For I, I know, and you can have then you have a B team, but then you'll need a C team, and you yeah, need we, multiple candidates and everything. Yeah, yeah, they, they all have those uh, plan B, B team. How about know? plan C? Uh, presumably uh, there's, there'll be a danger that uh, two candidates will be disqualified. Do you think we'll see plan Cs as well this time? Uh, I don't have a crystal ball, <laughs> but I think the central government will, will try every means to make them not happen, 35 plus. So it's out of our expectations. Some some uh, really surprise measure. I don't know. All right, a couple of uh, comments to uh, finish off. Drake, uh, in an email, says, Hosts, I think you've fallen for the propaganda. Dennis Kwok was dealing with questions on procedures. Uh, uh, If the pandems didn't submit any questions and Dennis did not allow the election to happen, you can rightly say that Dennis is the problem. Supporters of the Democrats clearly want them to continue submitting those questions. Uh, and uh, an exchange on our back chat page, uh, Tom had said that uh, uh, if anyone mocks their anthem song, Glory to Hong Kong, the yellow camp gives them an extrajudicial beating in the street. Uh, TC says, can you provide any examples of anyone receiving an extrajudicial beating for mocking Glory to Hong Kong? And Tom says, uh, no one has ever dared to do that. It would be suicidal. People get punched and their faces spray-painted for shouting One China. Just imagine that comes from Tom. Thanks for those. Fred Lee, thank you very much indeed. Very interesting. We're a political consultant, former lawmaker, uh, of course. Uh, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us this morning and to everyone who commented um, this morning. Danny, many thanks to you uh, as ever. Leaving now with the latest weather information. It's going to be hot today with some sunny periods and a few isolated showers. Temperatures up to about 32 degrees in the urban areas and a little bit warmer in the new territories. The outlook sunny periods on Saturday and then becoming unsettled gradually in the following couple of days. 30 degrees now and relative humidities at 82%. To protect patient safety and rights, the Private Healthcare Facilities Ordinance requires that private healthcare facilities where doctors or dentists practice must apply for relevant licenses. Applications for different licenses are being accepted in phases. Applications for licenses for day procedure centers can be made from January 2nd, 2020. The application dates for licenses and letters of exemption for clinics will be announced later. For details, visit orphf.gov.hk. 9.32, the news with Samantha Butler. 
The government's move to hand out free reusable masks to Hong Kong residents has been labelled a PR disaster by Liberal Party leader Felix Chung. He says it's acceptable for the government to bypass tender procedures so it could quickly make the masks, but it should have disclosed the manufacturer's details when announcing the scheme on Tuesday, otherwise it gives the impression of a transfer of interest. The U.S. Justice Department is dropping its case against President Trump's first national security adviser, Michael Flynn, who'd pleaded guilty to lying to FBI agents about his contacts with a Russian diplomat. His lawyers had argued there was new evidence that showed the FBI had acted improperly. And Brazil has reported more than 600 new deaths caused by the coronavirus, one of its worst days yet, as a political row deepens over lockdown measures. More than 9,000 people have died of COVID-19 in Brazil. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. Hello. How are you? Well, not too bad at all. Good morning. Hello. You never Facebook chat with me, Phil? Good morning. He's got the Tom and Jerry type pilot. It's a great experience if you just want to get a bit of zing. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Hi, good morning. Welcome to Friday. Great to be back with you. I'm Phil Whelan. We've got quite a few people for you to meet and see today as well, if you can. 10.10, off to Charleston in the USA for another cooking demo and chat with Chef Wes Long. We talked about knives last week, how to use them. Today he's going to teach you how to sharpen knives and also he's going to pop out into his garden, grab a handful of homegrown chives and show you how to safely cut them all up. Join us on Facebook Live and Skype and stuff, of course. After 11, going to welcome to Morning Brew our mate, top sport journalist and broadcaster, Danny Hicks. He's going to start a new regular Friday session. Uh, to kick things off, rugby legend Sir John Kerwin's going to be joining us via video link. He's in Auckland. After 11.30, more live music for you from the wonderful double, I think, Grammy Award winning tenor and former King Singapore Phoenix. He's going to be performing for you live from his studio in town. Lots of Facebook action this morning. You can, of course, just listen to the radio if you want to. And after 12, we're off to the movies with James Marsh. Morning Brew is the page. We'll be using that quite a lot this morning. And my email, morningbrew at rthk.hk. Morning Brew. 